This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. The title of this series is Against All Odds. And boy, do I ever feel like preaching. Because there's some of you that feel like your complete situation in this life is against all odds of it ever breaking through and changing for you. I want to be direct this morning to help me. Help, I'm going to help myself as a preacher of the gospel. And I'm going to tell you what I'm trying to accomplish today. Because there might be a moment in this sermon where you, maybe you, you drift in your thoughts or maybe you're not real sure the direction I'm heading. So here's what we're trying to accomplish. We're all a part of this big thing called the world. We all live in this world together. We share our lives together. But then we're all a part of our own little world. Denora and I have our own little world. Our little world is... Friday night graduations with a niece followed by a Monday night graduation with a nephew has nothing to do with any of y'all. Has nothing to do with where Denora works. Has nothing to do with the church. That's our little world. It's our little family. And we all have our own little worlds. I believe with all my heart that God wants to use you to change your world. And I'm specifically coming to you today by the help of the word of the Lord and by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to get you to see that you are the, you are the person that God wants to anoint and use to change your world. Now, there's some in here that are going to see that as your dinner table world your living room world, your business world. And then there's gonna be some that see it as the larger scope of the world. Just last week, I had the unbelievable experience of standing in a room, oh, I would say with 100 or so people. Denora and I were invited as guests to stand in a room with about 100 people and I looked around and I only knew maybe 15 or less of this 100 people. And I was a guest at a global worldwide missions fundraiser that was raising money to drill water wells in Africa, in Haiti, and other places around the world. And the people doing it were people that were in my youth group whenever I first moved here. I have memories of sitting in the living room of David and Cindy Phillips teaching home Bible studies to little 12 and 13-year-old girls from the Crowley School District, invited as a youth pastor into the home of Lauren Phillips with popcorn on the table, with Cokes and Dr. Peppers, and these little girls acting like they're really interested in the word of the Lord, and here I was anxious to preach the word of the Lord, even in a little living room with with some teenagers. And here I stand today watching them change the world. There's somebody in this room at nine o'clock in the morning in a 9 a.m. classic service that you are the man and the woman, you're the grandfather 
You're the parent. There's a few students in this room. You're the student. It possibly could even be a grandbaby that Ronnie Johnson's holding right now. And you may say a grandbaby, that literal, beautiful grandbaby could be the one to change her world. But the key is for you to understand that you qualify to change your world. Lord Jesus, over the next few minutes, help me articulate and speak the very words that you put into my spirit. I've prepared myself, but God, I need you now to do a lot more than just me in my preparation. I need you to do something by the help of the Holy Ghost that is beyond my abilities. We receive your word today in Jesus' name. Against all odds will be our series, and it starts right now. Acts chapter 13, verse number 21, and I read from the NLT, the New Living Translation this morning for this opening text. Then the people begged for a king, and God gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, who reigned for 40 years. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. This morning, I want to just keep this phrase in your heart. Uh, and it may be a little corny, but I worked hard on it, so don't laugh too hard. God has a way of taking people, could be you, from the pasture to the palace. I'll never forget, it was October 27th. October 27th, man, was a day that changed my life forever, changed Denora's life forever because that was the day the Lord gave us our pretty baby girl named Selah. And I promise you the clouds in the sky parted and the angel choir gathered around their banisters and they looked down and sang heavenly choruses as that beautiful little baby girl came into our lives. Some of you are not sure if I'm being serious or not. Stay with me, you'll find out. Denora and I were just glowing. We were just blown away with the goodness of the Lord. We were the youth pastors at this church at the time, so therefore, we were the most popular people on the planet Earth, and everybody wanted to bring their teenagers through and give us these cool little gifts. We got more stuff. We sat in the room, and we, we just enjoyed everything. People were just doting over our baby. People were just doting over us. We were on top of the world. Yes, just like that. And then we went home. Alone. And nighttime fell. 
Nobody feels this pain like me and you, baby. Man, I know we preachers stretch some things, but this ain't stretched. The absolute worst night of our lives. That little toot done reached back, looked us square in the eyes, and she took one wing off, threw it to the side. She reached back, grabbed another wing, threw it to the side, and she said, you want some of this? And we're like, what has happened to this angel? And I told Denora, I said, don't freak out. Let me get the nurse. And I walked out the bedroom, and there was no nurse for the last 24, 48 hours, we had a nurse do anything, everything we want. Baby's crying, and she'd take care of it. There's no nurse, and it's just us. And we started looking through the diaper bag that they sent us home with for the manual, for the operating manual. We started looking for the instruction book. We started looking for something. We're on the internet. How do you manage first night with demon child? Y'all laugh, I ain't stretching a thing. It got so bad, we finally just looked at each other and cried, man. We did, didn't we, baby? We just cried, we were like, what, what, what have we done? We have ruined our lives. We have been so happy for so long. If there's an expecting mom in this room, we pray for you. <laughs> Honestly, when we thought about it, now we're in those years where it's, she's, you know, she's got a few wing moments again, and she's a blessing in our world. She's very special to us. But there was a moment where we honestly thought, this is impossible to do. There is not a chance in this world that the sun will rise in the morning. We honestly thought it was gonna be the longest night of our lives and the word that came up was, we're not qualified for this one. We're not qualified. Every single one of us in this room have been up against something on your job. You've been against something in your family. You've been against, up, up against something in your health where the one thing that came to your mind is, I'm not qualified for this one. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe, maybe you've worked through a few things through the years, but then you ran into that one problem in your marriage where you thought, this one's a little bit too big for us. We're not qualified for it. Maybe it's something financially. Maybe you've been able to pay off some debt through the years and you would get debt free and then you would pay off some more debt and get debt free again. And, but then you woke up one morning and you looked at the lump sum of the debt you were carrying and possibly you thought, well, this one's different this time. I don't qualify for this. This is big. And what the world wants to do and what the enemy of your life would love to happen to you is for you to lose all sense of hope that anything can change for you 
and you see the, uh, uh, just stay with me as I use this illustration, you see the odds changing. There was, there was a moment where you had life by the tail and it was pretty much a guarantee that you were gonna be successful and your marriage was gonna write the books on how to make it work and your children were gonna set all the academic records in school and you had life by the tail. And then life snuck up on you and you realized, well, we got about a 50-50 shot at making this marriage work. We got about a 50-50 shot at making this job last. We got a 50-50 shot in, in becoming healthy again. But then life takes its toll and the odds change to where now, you know, you're, it's all against you. Life has a way of sneaking up on you and becoming an enemy to you. And you wake up in the morning and you're thinking to yourself, and if you're in a good enough marriage and you have a healthy enough family, you even share it with others. This is not looking good for us. We, we may have to file bankruptcy this time. We may have to have foreclosure come to, uh, come to our world this time. And uh, we might have to give up on the hope of, of this dream and this goal because it's not looking good. The odds are stacked against us. And you my friend, are just one of millions that feel the pressure of the odds weighing in on you. And that translates over to something that we flesh out, that we wear. It, 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 it makes your countenance change. You stoop over in life. And it could happen physically, but more than physically, it's symbolic. You stoop over and you just wander aimlessly through this life and, you, and you're just tripped by everything and you become one that's depressed. You become one that's down. You become one that just looks at the odds and it just weighs on you so heavily that you just basically want to just call it quits. The odds are against you. The relationship with the children is never going to change and the relationship with work is never going to be different and the examples can go on and on and on. But what you feel is that, you, that you're unqualified to beat it. A few centuries before Jesus came on the scene, the people of God began to grumble. Somehow or another, they lost their focus. Somehow or another, life had gotten tough to the point where they wanted to change something, but not themselves. They wanted the exterior influences in their, in their life to change, but they did not want to take ownership of anything and change from within. Are you tracking with me? So therefore, they thought, what is it that we can change? We're not sure where we're going. We're not sure how we're getting there. We're not sure what the future holds. What can we do differently? We need a leader. That's what we need. We need a leader to help us get to where we want to go in life. And, and somebody would say, well, wait a minute. We have a leader. We have Jehovah God. God is our leader. No, 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 no. I get that. Now, that may have worked for great-grandfather and, and grandmother, but I need somebody that I can sit down and talk to. But that's what prayer is. No, no. I understand what you mean by prayer, but I need somebody I can drink coffee with. I need somebody that I can touch and 
feel and I need someone that I can see. I need someone that I can communicate directly with and we need a change. And everyone warned them, that's not the direction you should go. But they just were so persistent and it's almost like the squeaky wheel it just keeps turning and turning and turning and turning and turning. And God even told them, this is not what you want. You don't really want a king. Because if you put all your hope and trust in an earthly king, he's going to fail eventually. And you're going to be blown out of the water. And you're going to be greatly disappointed. What you need to have change is a change of heart and a change of mind. You don't need a king you need to change. And the people of God said, absolutely not. There's no need for this to change. We need a king. And God finally, Sister Betty Lee, God finally gave up and said, well, if you want a king, I'm going to give you a king. And God gave him a king by the name of Saul. And boy, Saul was the man. He looked like a king. He was about my height. He probably had about my strength. I'm certain he was about as wise as I am. In all seriousness, this cat was the man. He was big. He was broad. He was a warrior. He was intelligent. He was sensitive. He was strong. He was mighty. He was the man. And everything looked perfect, Brother Cleveland. It was perfect for a while. Saul would stand and lead his people and they would follow. But Saul was a man. And over time, Saul started thinking, I don't need to follow God. I got people following me. Why do I need to follow God when I got a nation following me? And he started to lead after his own desires and not after God. So before you realize it, Saul starts making decisions and making choices that were detrimental to the future and to the blessing of Israel. And God finally just sits and, uh, uh, and, and, and watches, watches the failure take place. And he contacts his prophet, the man of God, and he says, Samuel, we need to make a change. This isn't going good. The odds are changing here, and we, we got to change something in mid-course. I, I know, Samuel, you played a huge role in trying to establish this whole earthly king thing, but prophet of God, I need you to help me and partner with me. We need a new king. If we're going to have to stick with a king model, we need a new king. Well, What's happened now in the, in the earthly, Lisa? What's taking place in the natural? I should put it that way. Samuel played a huge role in getting Saul in office. And now Samuel's looking at Saul saying, man, he's kind of become his own man. He's kind of doing things kind of half crazy. He could snap at any minute. And have you seen him lately? He's huge. He's big. He's strong. He could turn on me and kill me. God, why don't we try to give him some more space? I don't need more space. I need another king. And I need you to get up and I need you to go to Bethlehem and I'm going to use you again to create a new role of leader. And, is, and, and he's there in Jesse's house. 
Well, Samuel, with fear, goes on down to Bethlehem, and he goes to the right place at the right time, but it just didn't go right at first. Samuel says, Jesse, I know it's interesting. We got a big, super cool, strong, mighty warrior leading us. But the next king is in your house. He's in your family. I need to interview all of your sons. And I need them to come out. And I'm going to anoint your son as king. Man, Jesse gets all worked up and excited. Woo! We've just hit the lottery. We've got the next king in my family line. Eliab, come out of here, boy. Eliab ducks coming through the door. He squares up. Handsome, big, strong. And the first thought from Samuel was just what your first thought would be because the only king he knew was Saul. So the only thing he had to compare was Saul. Saul's height, Saul's stature, Saul's strength. And he looks at Eliab and he says, this, this cat looks like a king. All the people are used to following a loud, strong man. And this guy fits the bill. Can't you see Eliab coming out? What do you need? What do you want? What's the job at hand? Anything you need, I can take it. I can do it. And Samuel's like getting the oil out, shaking it up. He's ready to anoint him. And the Lord speaks a word to him that somebody even in this room today needs to hear because you feel that you don't qualify to change your world and it's all based on the natural things about your life. You don't think you look the part. You don't think that you, that you have what it takes mentally. You don't think that you have what it takes by means of strength. You feel like you, there's no, of all the people in your world that could change your world, that it's not you. And the Lord spoke this word in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and 7 in the NIV. Do not consider his appearance or his height. And when I read that, I said, glory to God, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If I, I think everybody's got their life scripture. This is now my life scripture. I've been set free. For I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. Samuel steps back, Sister Richardson. But God, do you not see him? He's big. He's broad. You could tell he could lead this country. And God just whispers again, it's not him. He's not the one. Keep looking. And all of a sudden, Jesse's down. Jesse's worried. This is my this is my prize champion. This is, this is American Pharaoh. This is, the, this is the thoroughbred of thoroughbreds. This guy qualifies. But yet the prophet's saying it's not him? Well, hold on. I, I know who it's got to be. Abinadab, come on out here, boy. And Abinadab comes out. He doesn't duck quite as bad, but he kind of moves his head. And boy, he looks good. He's strong. He's handsome. He's sharp. And the Lord doesn't even let Samuel shake the oil up. He just says, not him. It's 
It's not him. It's not Eliab. It's not Abinadab. Well, Jesse, you have any other sons? Shammah, come out here, son. Come out here. Prophet's here. You're the king. I'm the king. Yeah, you're the king. Samuel says, I'm sorry. I've, I've just heard from the Spirit of God. You're not the one either. He's not the one. Eliab's not the one. Abinadab's not the one. Shammah's not the one. Do you have any other sons? This happened seven times. Seven sons strutted out and stood tall, looking as though they were the part. And seven sons sat down, rejected by God. And things got awkward. Things got weird. Because the prophet standing there with his hands dripping of oil. I know this is the right house. I've already checked my GPS three times and my little blinking dot is right here. I know this is the one. Jesse, I, I know I'm at the right place at the right time. And the most awkward thing happened in the room. Jesse, do you have any other sons? And Abinadab's over there. He not need any other sons. Jesse pauses in this awkward response. Oh, you know I do. But I doubt that he really qualifies for this job. Kid's a little scrawny. Kid's kind of weak. You, you, I, I know you're here. You're not here for a cupbearer's position, are you? Did you misread your little, 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 little orders there? Are you sure you're not looking for a cupbearer? Because if he is, I got one out in the pasture. But you say you're looking for a king to change the world. But the one that I'm thinking about, there's no way he's going to change the world. Boy, takes care of my sheep. Well, you need to call him in from the pasture. I don't even want to call him in. Why, are you embarrassed of him in a way? Are you worried that, that, that there's something I might find out? Yeah, you're going to find out a lot about him. He's little. He's weak. He's, he, he's not the one. You need to go right through here and pray again. I don't need to pray. I've come on orders of the Lord. We're going to have a change of leadership, and it's a son, and it's none of these. So if you tell me there's another son, y'all ready for this? No one sit down in this room until he gets here. Do not sit down. Because if there's one son left, it's the anointed one. And he's royalty now before you even know it. So you better stay on your feet till he walks in. Are you kidding me? Shammah, go get your brother. Next thing you know, here he comes, all goofy looking. Here he comes, all set back. Here he comes. Don't smell right. Don't look right. Come walking in like a bunch of us have walked in. And immediately... The Spirit of the Lord spoke to the prophet of God, said, anoint that boy as king. But he's a boy. He's not yet a man. Anoint that boy as king. But he's a little shepherd boy. Anoint that little boy as king. He's going to change the world. And everybody in the room was caught off guard, unexpected. And that prophet, Brother James, put them old up hands on that young man. And prayed the blessing of God upon him. And said, you're going to change your world. You're moving from this pasture life to a place in the palace. Everything's about to change for you. Because you're the type that will change things for everyone else. 
You didn't catch this. Everything's about to change for you because you're the type that will change things for everyone else. Abinadab was all about him some Abinadab. Eliab was all about him some Eliab. Shammah was all about him some Shammah. All the boys were self-centered because the daddy's been doting over them for years. They've been working out. They've been lifting weights. They've been putting on a show. And it was all about them. God can't use people that it's all about them. But when God finds somebody that will change things for everyone else, God will change everything for them. And he laid hands on this boy and anointed him as king. And the very next act in Scripture, without a break in the reading, we find the little brother taking sandwiches down to a hungry group of brothers fighting on the sidelines, wishing they were men enough to be on the battlefield. They're sitting there hungry and have not worked yet to even cause hunger pains. And here comes old Goofy. Here comes little boy. Here comes old little brother. And he got his sandwiches back. And he said, here you go, fellas. Yeah, I know y'all are hungry. Not real sure why, because it looks like y'all just been sitting around not doing much. But here's your sandwiches. Daddy wanted me to come bring y'all something to eat. Why, why, what are y'all doing anyway? Get on back, son. Get on back to the pasture. Well, I was supposed to bring y'all something to eat. Aren't you grateful for what I brought you? Yeah, we're grateful for it. Get on back. We got things to do. But don't look like you're doing much. What are you doing? We're sitting here looking at that giant. Well, why are you looking at him? Go take him out. Well, he's big. Well, he ain't that big. He's huge. He ain't that huge. When God's hand comes upon your life, you see things differently than everybody else sees them. You respond to things differently than how other people respond. It's a mountain of debt. You'll never get out of that debt. That's not much debt. That's a terrible sickness in your body. That's not much sickness in my body. Your marriage is good as over. I'd file. I'm not filing. You just need to give up and quit that job. They're treating you bad. I've got a good job. When God's hand gets on your life and you're someone that honors the Lord and you're someone that believes in changing other people's lives, God will change your life. And all of a sudden, this little shepherd boy looks out there and there's something that came upon him that's gonna come upon somebody even in this nine o'clock service. Something kind of came upon him and it lit on him and settled on him. And he looked at that big giant and saw a defeated foe. And something rose up in and said, give me somebody's sword. Well, whose sword you want? Well, I'm the king, you know. You're not the king. I am the king. Better give me that sword. And that little dude reached down there and grabbed that sword. Could barely drag it. Put his armor on. Got him a little slingshot. Got him a little stone. And he said, I don't need all that. I just need a slingshot, some rocks. And he says, and the power of God. And that little fella busted through the scene, walked out onto the battlefield, and started looking at him, whipping that little thing around. His little Goliath's like, man, you better get on back to your sheep. I ain't getting back to the sheep. I'm about to take you out. Little fella rose up with the power of God and instantly changed his world. Let me close this morning with just 
trying my best to get into someone's heart. It's time that you see this world for what it is. This world is broken. This world is hurt. This world is lost. I'm not going to chase any political uh, rabbit trails right now, but you just stay with me and let me touch a few things just to make myself clear this morning. We're living in a climate. We're living in an atmosphere. We're living in a culture that is just absolutely full of sin. We're living on streets in every neighborhood that has broken homes after broken homes and disturbed lives. When you go to work tomorrow, you're working with people that are fractured and splintered and lost. You're, 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 you're gonna go to lunch today in a restaurant or a cafe. It could possibly even be in your own home, but you're gonna be spending time with someone today that needs someone that could just simply help them find change in their life. And the answer is the power of Jesus Christ. When you came to Jesus, he put the ability to change other people on your life. You have the gift. You have the touch. You say, but I don't qualify for this, Pastor Tommy. I'm not a preacher. The greatest preachers are you in the pew because you're gonna touch people's lives this week that I'll never meet. You're going to go places that I'll never go. God wants to use you to change your world. I don't qualify, Pastor Tommy. I need my uncle or my, or my niece or my cousin. I need my dad to do all of this. He's the patriarch of the family. But if it's not your father, who will? It's got to have to be somebody. Why not you? Take on the challenge of changing your world for the glory of God. Stand to your feet and clap your hands to the Lord this morning. Come on now. I know the odds are against you. Hey, can we just talk plain? I know the odds are against us. But you know what? It's not about looking at the odds. It's looking at who's in our corner. Because let me tell you something. Every time we start looking at this world that's full of sin. Matter of fact, I was just Friday night, I was at the state of Texas' largest graduating class in the history. 1,403 graduates. My Lord Jesus, my ADD was kicking in about the time they got to the second person on the letter A. But man, I looked around that stadium and I was not, I want to be real clear, I don't want you to think less of me for saying this. I wasn't judging. I was just had eyes, of, eyes of, that were re- realistic. I started looking around that stadium, and I saw people that it was obvious by the lifestyle. They don't know the Lord. You would hear things said over a podium that you knew was contrary to a Christian nation. You would see it all over that large, beautiful stadium that people had their focus on money. People had their focus on fame. People had their focus on sin. People had focus on the things of this world. You could tell there were very few people that were trying to raise good, whole Christian families that were trying to please God. And don't judge me too harshly because I wasn't really judging them, but it was just obvious by the words being spoken, by the demeanor of them carrying themselves. There was so much, there were anger on people's faces. 
There was bitterness on people's faces. There was disappointment, stress. You could see the weight of the world on so many people that had so much. Did you just catch that? You could see the weight of the world on people that had so much. And something stirred up within me. Here I am in a stadium full of however many thousands. And I know the odds are against us. When you start looking at this culture, every magazine cover, every feature on television are things from a dark world. But can I just tell you something? God's called us to be the light of the world. And no matter how dark this world might get, God's looking for some people to rise up and say against all odds, I do qualify. I don't have to have an ordination license. I don't have to be a preacher in a pulpit. I can just be in my own home with my own family and I can change my world. There needs to be some daddies that say, I'm going to change my world. There needs to be some grandparents that say, I'm going to change my world. There are going to be some employees in this room that you're going to work tomorrow, you're going to change your world. And if all of us will look at our world, those that we touch, those that we love, those that we do life with, if we could change our world, you'll hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I just want to pray over you this morning.